Coffee meets bagel? Happen? Scout? Taffy? Yubo? Bumble? Nerify? Do you know what these are? Because I didn't. Turns out, these are the top seven online dating apps for teens, according to Seventeen Magazine. According to high school students, however, the real way that younger teens, especially, meet romantic prospects online is actually through their own traditional social media accounts. When our kids start dating, it opens up a whole new world of challenges for parents, and it always has. But today, it opens up a world of digital challenges. Whether it's your son or daughter, you want them to have a positive experience. That starts by understanding how teens today communicate, meet potential romantic interests, flirt, date, and yes, even break up. Hi, I'm Mark Roman, a tech policy expert and former White House advisor on privacy. I'm David Reitman, an adolescent medicine doctor who works with teens. We're also married to each other and raising a teenage son of our own. You're listening to Their Own Devices, a parenting podcast with practical advice for the 21st century. It's February 14th, Valentine's Day. We thought we would select an appropriate topic of teen dating. David, I'm going to start with this question. And again, we have a 13-year-old and it's been on my mind. What is the right age for teens to start dating? So, Mark, I don't think there's one right age. I think you need to think about this, as I always do, developmentally. So with early adolescence, which typically is like your 12 and 13-year-olds, they are so preoccupied with what's going on, who they are, that kind of thing, that dating is something they're not quite ready for a lot of times. But as they start entering middle adolescence, the second developmental stage of adolescence, that's when all of a sudden the focus goes from worrying about themselves to like thinking about themselves in groups and as well as starting to form really strong relationships, both with friends as well as potentially starting with some romantic relationships. So it really does not have to do with an age as much as to do with where they are developmentally. So if I was hoping our son wouldn't start till college, I'm dreaming. I think that if he heard you say that, he would be mortified, but yes. (laughs) Okay. All right. So that's just dating generally. And then a topic for this episode is how does the digital world that our kids live in today impact their online relationships and their dating? So what's going on online? It's a variation of things. And I think that, first of all, teen dating apps probably is something that we see much more so in older uh, middle adolescents as well as late adolescents. I don't think that we see too much of this before the age of 18. But digital interactions are a big part of friendships and romantic relationships as early as, you know, age 14 or 15. And it's an interaction that they have that's very different than maybe we all had when we were growing up. Are kids finding their romantic relationships online or is it the way we were meeting kids at the dance or at the football game in high school? So, Mark, I have experience with this in terms of talking to a lot of teenagers in my practice, but there's also some data that's out there, too. And the Pew Foundation did a poll about three years ago, and what they found was that a third of teenagers have had romantic relationships, but only about 10% have met a partner online, which means that most of teenagers are meeting their partners IRL in the real world. And once the, the kids actually meet someone and they initiate a relationship, then the courtship part goes online. And about 30% of teenagers will send flirtatious messages. About half of teenagers will actually indicate romantic interest by liking a post or, or making a comment on a post, that kind of thing. And what I found kind of funny is that about 10% of kids actually made their interest 
known by sending playlists or the like the old mixtape that you used to send in the 80s and 90s. Oh, I did. I, I received a mixtape and um, I still have it. And I think it's from 1989. Well, then it wasn't from me. Yeah, well. <laughs> this sounds like maybe a cool way for kids to get comfortable with somebody else, ease into it, and then meet them in person. Like it seems to me there could be an upside. I can also see that having the communications online come with an entirely new type of pressure and stress around what you put in the text because it's actually now in writing. It's not just something you're saying. And it's not just what do you say in the text in writing, but when do you send it and who initiates, who sends it first, how long do you wait, when do you open it, and that a lot of stress will come with that. And that seems to be a lot to put onto a teenager, adding to everything else that goes with teen dating. But clearly the best way for us to learn about that, to understand it, is to actually speak with teens. And so that's what we're going to do. We have two teenagers with us in the studio today, and I'll note that one of them, our um, young woman guest, has a cold. So I hope you will be patient with her and bear with her, but she traveled pretty far from Virginia to join us in the studio today, and she's got some really amazing thoughts and perspectives to share. Uh, And so with that, let's bring in our first guest. Today we have with us Haley. Haley is a 17-year-old high school senior from Virginia. And as in the past, I just want to clarify that Haley is not her real name. We're not using her real name because of her age, 17. And also want to confirm that Haley has the consent of her parents to be here in the studio. In fact, mom is here in the studio watching this morning. So that's awesome. So Haley, I'm just going to ask a couple of background questions here. You or your friends dating at all? Yeah, I'm dating. Um, mm-hmm. A few of my friends are dating. Okay. How does this kind of thing start? I know this is a really open-ended question. So most of my friends, and including I, we've all mostly met our significant other through school. A lot of times it doesn't actually start through school. I think Snapchat is actually a huge advantage when it comes to getting to know people. It's actually one reason I wanted to get it was because I think it's a lot easier to communicate on Snapchat. You don't have to have an actual conversation. You can just send a picture back and forth. It's just an easy way to keep in contact with the people you want. So if there was someone that you liked, like in you know, in one of your classes or something like that, you would start snapping them a picture or do you actually kind of initiate things in person? Like, so how you, might that work? I mean, you could you could start talking about Snapchat. You'd be like, hey, can I add you on Snap in, right. in person? And then like you guys could start talking. You guys can like text through Snapchat or you can just send pictures. A lot of people will ask to start a streak and that way mm-hmm. you have to send a picture uh, at least once a day back and forth to keep the streak going. And you might use a streak with somebody that you're potentially interested in dating to keep it going. Yeah, to keep a conversation going, to keep it relevant. What if you don't like the person? Some people will just stop snapping them all together okay. or they can break the streak. They just kind of fade off usually. Sometimes there's nothing said and it's just kind of like a... They might try to start it back up or they might just leave it alone. And sometimes they might bring it up in person and they'd be like, hey, you broke our streak with that. You could say, hey, I'm trying to keep less streaks. I'm trying to stay off my phone for a little while or something like that. Gotcha. So I want to focus in on something I, I think I heard you say, which is the benefit of Snapchat is that it's easier to communicate because you're not face to face. Yeah. Well, that and sometimes there's almost a, like a pressure to texting when you're sending messages back and forth that it has to say something that it has to be like funny or has to 
have like a, a good conversation going. And mm-hmm. in Snapchat, if you're just sending a blank picture, like there's no pressure to keep a conversation. So do you ever think about like, let's say you're really interested in a guy or vice versa, like, okay, so you get a snap, you open it immediately, do you not? How does that work? Definitely different for everyone. I think it's really hard to determine. Sometimes I have trouble thinking, should I leave this on open or should I answer it right away? Mm -hmm. Sometimes there's a negative connotation to snapping, like to like double sending messages. So if you send like more than one message at a time, sometimes they'll be like, whoa, back off. But some people don't care at all. Just to clarify, because you said something that's interesting, I think a lot of adults won't know. The person who sends you the text on Snapchat will know when you open it, right? Yes, definitely. And so that's an issue too, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, definitely. It's like when you send text messages, it says like when they read it. So sometimes you're saying you may not want to open it immediately because it looks like you're waiting for it. So you might wait a little bit. Yeah, you might like wait a few minutes. So that way then when they see that you open it, it wasn't like a they just sent it and then like, bam, you opened it right there. Like you were waiting for it. Yeah. Gotcha. So walk us through a little bit from what you've seen with friends and that type of thing. How do you indicate, first of all, that, okay, I like this person more than a friend. I'm, I'm interested. And then also how do you, you kind of take it to, to the next level of like kind of we're dating, so to speak? Usually one person has to just go out there and like hope they don't get rejected. Sometimes they can either be really forward. They can be like, hey, this is how I feel about you. Uh, and I want to know what you think back. Sometimes it's like for some couples, I know one couple who took like months to even like say anything to each other. And they were both kind of like, um, I might like you. I don't know. And they were kind of hesitant. And I think it depends on the relationship, but it usually takes one person just to kind of take a step forward. Okay. Are those steps generally taken in real life or are they taken on the screen? Generally, they're taken on the screen and then maybe advanced a little more in person. So like I know with the relationship I'm in right now, it started and we we would uh, snap on uh, Snapchat for a while. And then he said something about like me sitting in his car in the morning before school started. And I and we talked about it for a little bit. And then I started going to his car in the morning and then we started talking more and more until it slowly kind of evolved into like us going on a date. Once you're dating, does the, the apps and the phone still play a pretty important role? Most relationships, I think, nowadays usually require some sort of texting or like keeping in touch. For me, I think it's a big part of keeping track of what's going on. I mean, like, I don't want to get too like private in their private life or anything like that. But like being able to like occasionally text them or snap them or send them some post on Instagram to help like keep in touch a little bit is usually really good. What is the expectation of how often you should get a text message or a snap or anything like that if you're dating someone? It definitely varies between people because I have one friend who her and her boyfriend like never snap. They don't use snap like at all. And then um, they name they mainly text each other. My boyfriend and I, we almost never text and we usually just snap back and forth mm-hmm. because it, it just feels faster so if, say, the girl sends a guy a snap or a text and he doesn't snap back for a while, what happens then? Well, it depends if he opened it or not. If he didn't open it, then you could think, oh, he's busy. Um, I know on my Snapchat, you can have like people that can see your location. You can choose if certain people see your location or if they don't. Or you can like block people from seeing your location. Mm-hmm. And when you can see their location, you can also see when they were active. So you can see if you sent something four hours ago and they were active two hours ago, then you're like, hmm, that's Uh. interesting. He's not opening my messages. Yep. 
So uh, let's go back to location. So explain how Snap works with location and your friends and then how you might be using that. Like, do you always know where your boyfriend is and would he know where you are? I can, yes. I mean, he can easily take it away if he wants to. Um, I can easily take mine away if I want to. Typically, you can see your friends. I mean, they can decide whether or not they want you to see them. And you you can yourself say, I want either no one to see me, I want these specific people to see me, or I want everyone except these people to see me. What will you see? Like you get a map and you'll actually be able to see like specifically where they are? Yeah, actually, it's a pretty detailed map, but it only shows you where they were when they were last active. So is there an expectation, though? Like, would you think it's weird now if your boyfriend didn't let you see where he was? Would you get concerned? Like, how does that work? Considering that we've always let each other see where we are, it, it might be a little weird that like suddenly he took it away. But I mean, if he had a reason, then I'd understand. Have you, I'm just kind of wondering if any of your friends have ever had experiences with Snap Maps in terms of seeing somebody with somebody else, they're wondering what's going on there or anything like that. What's Definitely never had anything too crazy happen that I know of. But I know sometimes like I was with one of my friends and she didn't want her um, significant other knowing about her going somewhere that he might not approve of. It wasn't really that big of a deal, but she was worried about what he would think. And so she turned off her location for a while. And he actually like called her a few minutes after she took away her location. And he was like, where are you? And I thought that was kind of weird. But I mean, yeah. What do you think about that? I, I don't know. I think that's a little crazy that he found out that fast. I mean, like to think how often did he just happen to check it when she took it away? Or like, does he check it constantly while she's gone? Or kind of makes me wonder. It's almost a little controlling, it sounds like. Yes, it can be kind of scary sometimes uh-huh. to think about it when you look at other relationships and how crazy they can get. So if I start, if I went to high school and I just start dating someone, right? It sounds like there would probably be an expectation that I'd share my location with my new boyfriend or girlfriend and vice versa. Is that going to be an expectation? You're going to have to have a conversation about whether or not we're going to do that. Yeah, I think that definitely off to like the start of the relationship is usually determined like whether you do that kind of stuff or not. So if somebody doesn't want to share their location, they'll usually make it pretty clear like I'm not doing this or they're like, I don't share my location with anyone. Um, I know that there are some people who like sometimes in the beginning of a relationship, they'll say like, hey, where are you? Or they'll just like it'll just kind of fade into like sharing each other's location and then it's just never taken away. Which is interesting because you mentioned another feature of the apps that I think are important just as as parents try and get a handle on this. So you've got on Snap or I guess most of the social media, you can block someone, which means what? Well, it depends from app to app. I know on Snapchat, when you block someone, um, you can't find their username. You can't have a conversation with them. uh, You can't see their story or what they're posting. I know that you mentioned that you had listened to our podcast about sexting and we had the two boys on. Did you have any thoughts about that topic and what the boys were saying and and sexting generally? Because it ties in a little bit. I have a few friends that I know do they send and they receive. Boys or girls or both? Girls. Girls. Okay. Boys don't really talk about it with girls, I don't think, very much. Okay. And not that I know of. I know that a few girls, they receive when they never asked for and that's that can be frustrating. You're like trying to wonder what's going through that guy's head when he's thinking, well, yeah, I mean, let's just send it and see what happens. And then they get such negative feedback from a girl who's like, I don't ever recall asking for this. Um, why would you send this to me? And then, I mean, you can't just delete it from your head. It doesn't work very well. Does the guy think that's part of the initial like 
dating piece to this? Like we were talking about before? I'm not sure what's going through their heads. Um, <laughs> I know I have received before from a stranger, actually. I know uh. he started a message with me on Instagram and we talked back and forth like casually for a little while. And then he said something suggestive and I kind of questioned it like what? And then he just sent one and I was like, wow, okay, well, I didn't how, want this. How, how old was this person? Um, he was my age at the time. I think it was like one or two years ago. Um, I was still, I was in high school still, but I was kind of taken back by it. And I sent him and I sent him a message back and I was like, why would you send this to me? Like I, I didn't ask for this. And he immediately backed off. He was like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. And he, we just stopped messaging. How did you meet this, this person that you didn't, this is a person you didn't know? Yes, I had never met them before. I think, I don't even remember. I think they might've been in like a different state, but it, I don't think it was too far away. And they friended me on Instagram and then they started messaging me. It was very casual. They were being very funny. It was, it seemed very innocent. And then it just suddenly wasn't. So you have, you have two kids in high school, boyfriend, girlfriend, 16, 17. They might be sending pics back and forth. Yeah. I mean, I, I have a friend actually, I think it's very interesting. I mean, she kind of put a new perspective on it for me. If you're both dating or if you're both very close, I mean, it could easily be a way that you're intimate with each other. Right. Yeah. I mean, if it's one thing where it's uncalled for, unsolicited, I mean, that can be a totally different story. But I've heard of instances where it's like a constant back and forth, like maybe you can't see each other and you decide that sending one is good for the moment, I guess. Right. Okay. But then I'm going to challenge this. Getting back to our conversation. What happens if the relationship ends and if it ends badly? Have you ever seen that kind of happen in terms of your friend group or anything like that? Yes, I think I have heard of. Okay, so you know, I don't know if you know about this. You can have stickers on Snapchat. No, Ex explain it to our audience. <laughs> so basically, it's uh, if you have a picture and you have it in like your camera roll or your Snapchat camera roll, you can click on it, you can edit it, and you can click on the scissor, and then you can outline whatever you want to create a sticker. Okay. And I have known that uh, students have like made stickers of people's like pictures, and then they'll like joke about it and they'll like. I know one instance, we it was horrible. We had like a month for school where people would just like put on like public stories, like the stickers. You couldn't see who it was. You're, like We're you talking could, body parts. Yes. And it was, it was really interesting. Um, it was just like a, a whole thing at school. It faded away after a while. Thank goodness. So this is a group thing and people are using stickers of various other high school students' body parts. Yes. And that other people can see the stickers. Yes. Or you can put the sticker on a picture, any picture you want, and you can send it to whoever you want. What about dating apps? Like in high school, are kids on dating apps? I personally do not have a lot of experience with dating apps. I think the only dating app I've really seen a significant amount of people in high school using was the Hot or Not app. I mean, there's probably one or two, but I haven't heard of it personally, of people using like Tinder mm -hmm. or any of those major dating apps. I would also think that an Instagram profile, a Facebook profile, or, or anything where you're putting yourself out there, there's a lot of pressure in what your profile looks like because that's a first impression. Yeah. Is that right? I, I think it can be, yes. I mean, Instagram, you can set it to private, obviously, and then you have a lot that you have to deal with, like your bio, what you put in it. Typically, I think people put like what school they go to. Some might put a zodiac sign. The profile picture is usually a big indicator. Some people have strict parents where they don't want them putting any face or anything on there. I have a few friends that they're not allowed to put their face on their social media. Well, what about the, because uh, this comes up a lot, what I'll call the Finsta account, or I oh, mean, yeah. I'm going to guess that, I'm going to guess some of your friends have more than one account? A lot of my friends do, yes. Um, they usually post much more sensitive things in there. 
personal things that have happened to them, things that frustrate them. It's kind of where they get their real emotion out, whereas the real Instagram page is more of like a, the outer shell. And then right. like you get into the right. Finsta and it's like things that make them upset or things that... Mm. Right. So this is the account mom and dad are not looking at, right? Typically, yes. Or that maybe you don't want colleges to see, but a lot of colleges are... Now they know now about right. Finstas and right. they're seeing these things that um, high schoolers may not want to see. Is there an equivalent like on Snapchat that people have multiple Snapchat accounts for that same reason or multiple Facebook or multiple Reddit or anything like that? Not that I'm aware of. No, that seems very complicated to get into considering it's not really like you can see profiles. You'd have to like go back and refriend everybody. Right. That'd be pretty crazy. I have known of an instance where somebody has a backup snap and then that causes a lot of drama with like relationships if the huh? significant other doesn't know that they have a secondary snap. But I don't think that's a very common thing. A lot of parents are today flipping out about their kids and teens online and it's because it's something we didn't do. So given the opportunity to chat with or talk with other parents and say, look, here's how it works and chill or here's what you should be worried about. What might you say to, to parents? I think you should be able to have like a sit down conversation and talk about like rules maybe that parents have or that the child wants like, hey, please, um, you can do this. You can't do this or just be careful. Like, I think they just need to be informed on the consequences of doing specific things in certain apps and how going public can affect them. It sounds like I'm just going to guess that you talk to your mom about these things and you have that kind of relationship. Personally, I think I'm very open with my mother about most things. We did have a sit-down conversation. Rules were a lot more strict when I was younger, and they've slowly faded as I um, have figured out what is okay and what is not okay right. and what I'm yep. okay with doing and what should be avoided as I have more experience with the internet as I get older. So at first, I wasn't really allowed to share my location whatsoever, but now I've learned that I'm able to share my location with close friends or maybe a significant other or with my parents, of course. That is great. And the insight has been tremendous. So thanks so much for being on The Ruined Devices. Thank thanks you so much, for having Ellie. me. Now we're going to get the guy's perspective. And so today we have with us uh, Ben. Ben is 19 and a sophomore in college. And once again, I want to just be honest with our, our viewers that Ben is not his actual first name, but we thought again that it makes sense to use a different name so we can have a great conversation. And he gets to remain anonymous while being honest. So welcome, Ben. Hello, how are you? Doing great. Thanks so much for coming here and being on this podcast. Just tell us a little bit about yourself. Like you said, I'm second year college student. I am studying business and entertainment. I'm in a studio and this is kind of like what I want to do for, I don't know, maybe the rest of my life. So this is kind of like a intimidating, but also like immersive experience. So it's an honor to be on the show. Well, we are grateful that you are doing this with us today. Let's just talk a little bit about social media apps in general. What kind of stuff do you have on your phone and what do you like to do? I would say that I check Facebook maybe once or twice a day. I mean, maybe that Facebook. sounds maybe that sounds like like what? Because Facebook, but it's also like I have friends that still use Facebook, and it's also like family too. And sometimes there's I don't know like meaningful stuff, right? Memories, whatever. But I would say definitely Snapchat and texting, mm -hmm. definitely the main two. What about? I know this is a crazy question. Just making a phone call. I love phone calls. I think they're way better than texting for several reasons. One, you can you can hear the person's tone. 
you can hear all the little intonations in their voice. If you know the person well, you can like read what they're actually saying. Right. right. You know, like little idiosyncrasies with whatever they're saying. Right. And it's just more natural. And I feel like you can get to the bottom of what you're trying to say to each other quicker and more effective. So we talked about all different kinds of apps. What about the dating apps? I met my girlfriend on Tinder. Wow. So there's a lot of listeners who have probably never been on Tinder, may have heard of it. Talk a little bit about it. Tinder is basically a really complicated playground in that you don't know what you're doing the entire time until you've already gone on your date and you found out how you did because your profile has to be representative of you. Your pictures have to be representative of you and what you want other people to think of you. Okay. And it's, I'll concede and say like immediately because it's what's displayed to you first when you, you know, come across your matches or the people that you can match or swipe right or left on. It's completely superficial. You see the person's face and their, and whatever else they're showing in their pictures. And that's your first impression of them. So that strikes me as putting a lot of pressure on creating your own profile. Definitely. That's a huge part of Tinder. It's it's creating your profile and you have no idea. And so it always comes down to either you just winging it like I did or are you asking your friends, which I eventually did. So it's usually a jerk thing, for example, on Tinder to have shirtless pictures. Shirtless pictures. Shirtless pictures okay. or flexing pictures. There are other things. Too much. You can have too many pictures. Mm-hmm. Yep. And you can have hurt. you can have too much in your profile, but you can also have too little. Anybody with no profile is like really sketchy because they're not telling you about them. And it's like it's either just on their picture or just on, I don't know, like the okay. mysterious. So you're, you're 19? Yeah. How old were you when you went on Tinder the first time? Uh, I believe I was 18. You were 18. Do you think high school students are also on these kinds of apps? Ooh, I would say a very small portion of high schoolers, actually. I feel at first there was the fervor of, like, finding older guys, at least for girls, right. from, the like, the people that I knew who, who did use it, which was a very few. Right. I knew a lot of people in my high school who did use it. Like, they were, they were kind of just drawn in by the older guys. The more maturity, like, they actually mean business. Like, they're not a mama's boy. You know, like, they have their own money, and so they can take them out and stuff. And I guess while that makes sense, eventually people started getting wiser and realizing, oh, this is kind of creepy. Like, I'm 17, because they would lie on their, on their age. Or, of course. And guys would do this, too, to try to meet women. But the thing is, even for anybody, for guys and girls, you can always get scammed. You can always get, like assaulted. I mean, it's just, it's just not safe. Right. There's no way to know. There's no way to know. Right. Isn't the term, see how educated I am, catfishing? Do you know that term? Pretty much. What's catfishing? Catfishing, in a sense, is pretending to be something online that you're not actually. Right. And fooling somebody to your own advantage or to your own just like some people just get off on it. Like people think it's funny or like a game that's like shows on it or they sometimes they'll scam people for like, oh, like buy me an iTunes gift card or something like that. Like that happened to my mother actually on Tinder. Really? Yeah, they tried to scam her for an iTunes gift card. Wow. So would you say that most people who are on Tinder... Are they looking for relationships? Are you looking for hookups? Like, what's your take on that? I would say it's about 50-50. Really? When I got on Tinder, I didn't even know what I wanted from Tinder. I knew that I had been single for a while. I had been bored of being single. I wanted to find somebody or something, but I didn't really know what I wanted from Tinder, like something serious or just, you know, casual, whatever. But I kind of figured out what I wanted with the person that I, like, am still with. 
We're using Tinder because that's the one you happen to use, but there are a lot of these, right? Mm-hmm. What are the other ones or like, is this the popular one? Do you, do you have friends on other ones or? Tinder, I would say is definitely the most popular by far, but there's also one, I believe it's called Bumble, where mm-hmm. the woman has to message the guy first. Right. Yep. Which is kind of a safeguard for a lot of the, I guess, uh, expositionist kind of behavior by guys on Tinder who. Guys like, initiating with a uh, pic with, of them. Yeah. Or just, you know, like jerk messages, like just sexual or disrespectful. So just explain to our audience, how does the swiping work? Swiping, I I have friends that read the profiles and I have friends that don't. And I have friends that do both of that. Because depending on probably the time of day and how serious you are, it's just a beauty pageant. And the term swiping, what does it mean? So for like one direction, I think swipe left is like, no. Not interested. Not interested. Don't match with them if they match, if they swipe right on me and swipe right is like match with them. Oh, so the way it works is that you swipe right on this profile because you're interested. And the only way you get to communicate with this person is if they swiped right also. Yes. And then what happens? Whoever is the second person to swipe right on each other, it says you're a match and it tells you that you both have swiped right on each other and then you are open to message first or mm-hmm. be messaged first. Did you think about like in real life, like you're in college, is there a way like to meet people in real life or like really it's all online now? I feel like you can definitely meet people in real life. I've met my girlfriend, not directly but I was in situations where I would have met her eventually. And I still think to this day that we still would have been a couple because I was already in that friend group and I already would have known her and met her eventually. And I meet people all the time. Okay. So that's cool. That's awesome to hear. Cause not a lot of people, not everyone agrees with you on that. I think it's because there's a huge culture of non-confrontation in that, as you can imagine, if you are unsure about something, you're going to have second thoughts. Imagine if you're trying to meet somebody, friend or romantically, and you're unsure about them. You're thinking, you might think and probably will think about all the things that could go wrong. This person could be a creep. He could smell. He could, like, be disrespectful to the waitress, something like that. Just talking to someone face-to-face. is harder. That means, yes, because if you don't like somebody on your phone, click, oh, yeah, I see delete, block, report, whatever. Right. You don't have to talk to them. You can talk to your friends about them. You don't even have to do anything with them and you'll never have to meet them. So in your case, though, you went on at 18. Yeah. When did you meet your girlfriend? I met my girlfriend that date, actually. She was my first uh, date on Tinder. Wow. Okay. So you had an amazing experience. Yeah. That's you're, you're, like I, an ad, you're an advertisement for them. Yeah. That's, what I, that's, my, that's where I have to concede. I have to... I know you're getting my experience. Right. Right. But I, you hear a lot of horror stories about Tinder. So share them. Share, what have you heard? A lot of it's sexual. Mm-hmm. A lot of it just guys expecting stuff, girls expecting stuff. It's both ways, despite what you mm-hmm. might think about the aggressiveness of guys. It, it, I have experienced both. They'll send you a certain emoji, guys or girls to each other. And, right. it, and some people are into that. I right. was not looking it into easy and I know that right. can sound like a judgment, but it was also like this was my first time dating online. So right. it was like, I don't know. So you don't really know who the person is, right? Like it could be. Basically, I feel like for me, I canceled two or three dates to go on the date with my girlfriend because I was realizing very quickly that the people that I had made plans with, I wasn't really clicking with them. And I don't know if that was just my girlfriend's 
conversation skills. I don't right. know if that was her charm in the way that she talked to me. But I just was I was more excited to get a message from her and to respond to her way more than anybody else. With other people, I was worrying about petty things like replying first or waiting too long, replying way too quickly. And with her, I literally didn't care. The conversations were coming through like I had known her for a long time. Thing is, though, this is not a normal gender right. story. So what, what are the rules in terms of how soon you should respond? I mean, you, you kind of mentioned that. Explain that to people. Speaking candidly, yeah. it's a bunch of BS. Yep. Is what it is. It's a bunch of games made by and spread by friends. It's supposed to be commonplace, like just mm -hmm. values and like, you know, civility on right. responding to people because you don't want to respond too quickly because that'll make you sound like eager or too excited or like clingy or crazy. Mm -hmm. But if you reply too late, that makes you sound distant or makes you sound as you, I mean, that one you could imagine though, if you, if somebody like says hi mm -hmm. and you say hi in another week, like what? Definitely not. But that's also, that's a different signal. Right. So f moving on past the whole Tinder thing. So now you are dating someone. What is the communication like in terms of through texting, calling, social media? Like, how does that all work? For some reason, I, I felt that asking for her phone number before I met her was asking too much. Because in my mind, a phone number is harder to change than a username. And like creeps will go the extra mile to message somebody who has a different phone number, you know? So I felt that I would see if like, you know, we actually met that I could get right. a phone number because then it would be like, oh, I can text her and that'd be much right. easier. Okay. When you're dating and you see someone's profile and you're, you know, probably going to talk to them or snap with them, text them, do you then like Google search and look? Definitely. Okay. I'm not going to lie about that. They could be, they could be a fake person. Okay. First of all, they right. could be a fake person. Does that but, happen? Do you know if that's happened? Like, that's happened to friends of mine. That's happened to my mother who's used Tinder, who actually found her current boyfriend on Tinder. So we got a, just a family of Tinder success. Okay. Wow. <laughs> that has happened to a lot of friends of mine where it's, it's just, it's not real people and they're trying to scam them in some really convoluted way. All right. So let's just pause on that. So you're on Tinder, you swipe right, they swipe right, you get connected, but it's a totally fake profile. Like it says that girl is 19 and beautiful, whatever. And it's what? It can be a fake person. It can be a fake profile set up by a real person. Like it'll be a set up by somebody, but it won't actually be the person that's being portrayed right. on there, which is why sometimes it can be really obvious. You can see pictures of somebody who like doesn't look the same or doesn't have the same shape or just looks different or sometimes like the details don't really match up when you talk to them with like what they says on their profile or simple things like that. That's if a whole nother layer of like garbage to deal with that. Yeah. It's a, it's actually a really scary process because you, you don't really know how, you know, everybody tries to look like a good, nice person, but this person could be crazy for all you know. Right. And you don't know. You don't know. You don't so, know until you know. So then you Google, you do a search and hopefully try and find what, like, Maybe if they know somebody you know, in that way, you could ask about them. And it actually, that has kind of a positive thing, too, because that's you looking out for yourself. But that can also be relayed to them. And if you ask me, and from what I've been told, that's usually a flattering thing if you're trying to get to know more about them on your own accord and not just through the immediate normal way. If you're right. actually going out of your way to ask people to get, you know, asking them more about them, I feel like that's a 
that's a show of seriousness. Right. So shifting gears a little bit from that topic, what kind of things do you do you or see your friends doing in terms of, you know, posting stuff about relationships, both good and bad in the online realm? I feel like the amount that you put on, I feel like it has to do to, again, a varying degree, like your pride. Right. For me, because I feel like if you don't have anything of your significant other on there, just like if you don't have anything of your friends or if you if don't talk about your friends, like I feel like you're just not proud or something. And I know some people don't like being on social media or having their person on there, but I feel like showing that off is like a big part, you know, just to show right. the world like, hey, I'm proud. I'm in a relationship with this awesome person. And you want to show that. Now, what if things aren't going well in a relationship? Because you're very public if all of a sudden all these proud pictures kind of start to slow down. I guess what I would do is I would just immediately take them all down mm-hmm. because essentially having those pictures up signals that you're still in the relationship to everybody who sees them. And having them on your profile, it's like you're fooling yourself or not fooling yourself, but you're just mm-hmm. you're lying, you know, kind of it's you're not in a relationship. It's not really representative of your current status. Right. And it's also that other person might not like those pictures being on there anyways. Right. What about um, one of the things we were talking about before was snap maps. Your location. Your location, that kind of thing. I do not have my location on. My girlfriend does. Her friends do. Uh I have friends. I have several friends that do. I don't because I don't need people knowing where I am. Mm -hmm. It's just, I think it's a weird thing. I think it's a security risk. Anything can be hacked. If somebody has the, you know, ability to do it, that can be hacked. So, I mean, I'm sure you've heard of friends like tracking their significant others and that kind of thing on Snap Maps. I've had had friends who have, my, my, uh, my girlfriend's friend had this, had this friend in her, in her friend group Mm -hmm. who had this really possessive boyfriend who Mm -hmm. had her Snap Map always on and he, he was, he just demanded it of her. And one night she, her phone had died while she was at a club and she forgot to tell her boyfriend exactly where she was going. Like she told him that she was going out with her friends and that she was safe. He took it upon himself to track her last location to the club, go there and forcefully like take her out of the club with her. Well, hopefully that was a sign that he may not be the right guy. Oh, definitely. She's not with him anymore. But um, But yeah, no, that's a concern, right? But some people, some people can get obsessed with it and they can Mm -hmm. be like, where are they? Are they cheating on me? If they have trust issues, sometimes you can be tempted. Like, where are they? Are they actually where they say they are? And if they have that enabled, you can see immediately where they are. What about in terms of friends, things that you've seen, how do breakups work? I will say this. If you break up with somebody online, you'll have a reputation for that. That's a impersonal and often received as disrespectful kind of way to end a relationship, a very, you know, intimate and personal yeah. thing. Right. So there's a very negative social reaction to that. I mm-hmm. feel like nobody likes doing that. So what's, what's interesting about that is we were looking at, at a study that was, it was done about three or four years ago, but where it said that most teenagers will say that breaking up over text or snap or anything like that is absolutely the wrong way to do it. And yet a huge number of them do do it that way. The thing is... It's definitely the easiest, but it's definitely the, the worst way. Right. So we've done a lot today. Um, a lot of parents, they're worried about their teens online. And I think in particular, since we did not have dating apps, what would you share with like parents to say like chill or here's what you should worry about? Here's what you shouldn't worry about. 
I think parents have every right by any metric in any history of dating to worry. I think it's very valid to worry. I think that being that it's because it's based off of an online experience, I feel like that adds all the more reason to be more cautious. Now, that's not to be like, you know, restrict them from going out and meeting people. But most people, if you're on Tinder and dating online, you have to be 18 anyways. It's it is pretty dangerous. You don't know what you're getting until you until you experience it. My girlfriend, when I met her, her friends actually went to the same restaurant, but downstairs just in case I was a creep. That is an amazing anecdote. Holy cow. It wouldn't have occurred to me. So let's talk about that. So the first time you meet, there's a risk. I guess what I would have said is, a, is, is to my kid is go someplace public. Definitely. Right. We went to a well-known restaurant. The streets were well lit that we went to. Her friends were very nearby, very supportive. But you didn't know they were there. I didn't know they were there. Right. And I'm so cool with that. I think that that's great because, you know, like what if I was like some crazy guy? What if I yep. was like there being a jerk? And then she had to go home alone, vulnerable and like feeling like crap, like her friends were there for moral support and also for like romantic support. Like you go, girl, like do it. And like right. I probably would appreciate that. I mean, I know I don't know any guy who would actually go to a restaurant with me, like any of my guy friends that would do that just because like, I don't know. I don't know anybody that would do that. For <laughs> <Right>. me, but <laughs> but um, so you would advise that. Like, I would definitely advise that. Definitely. Again, go somewhere public, go somewhere well lit if it's at you know, evening, night, be in a familiar location. And the, here's a something, here's something about the snap map. Just like having your friends nearby is a safeguard, so is having your snap map. If your friends know where you are and you're going on a date in a place you don't know, with a guy you don't know, they know where you are. And if something happens, they know where to look. How does a parent balance this? So you're eight, you're 19 now, so it's different. But uh, you're a parent, you want to give your kid like the freedom, you want them to date, but... Uh, I also want them to be safe and have a good experience. And so we're always trying to strike that balance and, and dating is going to be part of that. I would say then, if anything, don't pry, but show like curiosity because when they're doing this, they're scared doing this. This is not a, this is not a simple thing. This is basically constant judge of character, of looks and of your, of what you're about, like who you are as a person. You're being judged on these dates, on these apps and by people constantly. Kids don't want you to pry and for you to say you're going to get an STD and he's going to get you hooked on crack. Something like they don't want to hear that. They want to ask, oh, so what's he into? Like they want you to be interested with support and with honesty. So like if you're like, I don't know, like it kind of sounds like sketchy. Like you can be honest, but like a lot of kids really feel judged because they already feel judged online. But I feel like just showing interest alone and make somebody really open up to you on their own initiative. So I think I want to end on that exact note and say to you, Ben, that you strike me as one incredibly insightful 19-year-old because that was a really incredible set of advice to parents and I couldn't have articulated it better myself. So thank you. I want to thank you yes. for being here. Of course. Thanks a lot. That was an amazing set of conversations with both Ben and Haley. And obviously they shared their perspective and provided information and insight that we would never have. And so with that, let's think about what our guest said and then offer some uh, wrap up tips. So from my perspective, uh, and this won't shock you, is that if your teens are going online for dating or any other purpose, 
you have to teach your kids that you should not be sharing personal information. So don't use your full name. Don't give out your phone number or your actual address, school name. And personally, I think this is the most important, which is tell your kids to turn off location and the apps. Maybe as we heard from both of our guests, as you develop a relationship, as you know people, you may make a decision to share location. But at the beginning, shut off location, limit the personal information that you provide. And mom and dad, sit down with your kids and review privacy settings so that there's a clear understanding about what is part of your public profile and what is being kept private and make sure it is consistent with your understanding and what you want to happen. Mark, speaking to that, I think that it's also important that parents talk with their kids about, in the context of healthy relationships, what is appropriate in terms of how partners show respect for each other and show trust for each other. And that if a partner is trying to be controlling, trying to track someone on their apps, trying to, you know, see what people are doing and doing some, you know, quote, stalking by online means, that's something that, that they should be teaching their kids is not okay and that they need to kind of take some control there and make sure it doesn't get into an uncomfortable situation. That's interesting because obviously that's right. And what you're suggesting is that because of the online nature of this and the kinds of features in the apps, there is an entirely new way for whether we want to call it sexual harassment or a, I don't know what term you use, doc abusive relationship or problematic relationship to manifest itself through features like location tracking and the like. So that's interesting. And I will say that with my college students, these are the ways that relationship problems manifest themselves digitally. Following up on what we heard from our guest today, I have two additional thoughts. The first is trust your instincts. If something online appears suspicious, it may very well be and, and go with your gut. We heard Ben talk about fake profiles on dating apps around catfishing. We heard Haley discuss the interaction she had online, not on a dating app, but with a stranger who then sent her the inappropriate photo. And so there can be um, potential concerns. And so follow your instincts and be cautious. And following up on the be cautious, I loved the advice we heard from Ben which is when you make that transition from online to offline, when you have that first date, meet in a public place. And I thought what his girlfriend did, which was have friends go to the same restaurant, but be in a separate room, that was really intelligent. And she's lucky to have friends like that. And I was impressed. It shows that at 18, these, I'll say kids, young men and women were understanding the potential risks and being actually pretty darn responsible. And so for me, that was great to see. And then I'll end on a sort of a more Mark note, which is that it's okay to draw the line and you can disagree with me, David. But um, as always, I'm pretty good with like, at some point it is okay to say no. And so if you don't feel like your kid is ready for a dating app, because it turns out some of these dating apps are for 14, 15, you don't have to be 18 or 20. It's okay to say no. Uh, you can't have this particular app yet, or let's discuss it and figure out when it's appropriate or not. But I still believe that saying no is okay. It should be part of a bigger conversation, but that's part of our job as parents. Thanks for listening to Their Own Devices. This show is a conversation and we'd love to hear from you. 
Has your teenager had a positive, negative, or interesting experience when it comes to dating in 2019? How did you as a parent handle conversations around dating apps, online communications, or even location sharing in the online world? We'd love to hear from you. Email us at hello at their own devices podcast.com. Their Own Devices is hosted by Mark Groman and David Reitman. This podcast is part of the Podglomerate Network and is recorded at Clean Cut Studios in Washington, D.C. This episode was edited by Ryan Dan. Be sure to subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast app. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review. It will help other parents find the show and get the information they need. Next week is President's Week and we're taking that week off. So we will see you in two weeks. Happy Valentine's Day. We'll see you next time. The Podglomerate. A Sonic Universe.